Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks. Hello, yes, it is I, Howard H. Smith, your host. I am also known, as you know by now, as the lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain and the host of this here podcast. I do stand-up comedy as the, Keith, as the character Keith Platt, and I also host the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. Hello, welcome back, welcome for the first time, whoever you are, wherever you are, welcome to the wackiest heavy metal podcast there is. Oh yeah, hello, welcome, thank you for coming, nice to see you, how are you, how's your day been, how's your day gonna be? I would imagine it's all gonna be better than Dave Elefson's day, that's right, we're going straight in to what's been happening in the world of metal, and it's Dave Elefson being a little bit fruity with um, with a young lady online, and it's all come out, if you pardon the expression. Um, so, for those of you that don't know, um, this statement was released by Dave. Um, and this, I mean, this this is news coming quick off the press right now. Um, this was uh, this was all posted yesterday um, on uh, Dave Lefson's, um social media. As you may or may not know, some private and personal conversations and interactions have surfaced online, released with ill intention by a third party who was not authorized to have them or share them. While certainly embarrassing, I want to address it as openly and honestly as possible. As much as it's not something I'm proud of, these were private adult interactions that were taken out of context and manipulated to inflict maximum damage to my reputation and my and my career and family. The other party involved has made a statement, which you can see below. I thank her for doing so and hope that this clarifies the situation was not all as presented. Humbly yours, Dave Elefson. And the response... Um, uh, and here we go. In the statement Elefson shared was apparently made by the other party involved, and the woman wrote, I'm the girl um, people are talking about in the post about Dave Elefson right now, and I just want to tell my side of the story because people are sharing misinformation and the situation is getting out of hand without the truth being out there. Yes, those video calls did happen, but I was uh, the one to initiate them and never uh, and never was I underage. I was, always, uh, uh, I was also always a consenting adult. Nothing inappropriate ever happened before that it was all consensual i'm not a victim i have not been groomed in the slightest i was the one to initiate it i was just naive enough to record him and share it with a friend without his permission in the end it was it was all consensual and online well apart from the sharing the video that clearly wasn't consensual i don't know how it got to this point but a lot of information is being left out by people purposely trying to harm him i would ask that anyone sharing these personal private videos or any misinformation about them to please Stop. Well, yes, I bet. And I would imagine Julie Elefson, uh, Dave's wife of 27 years, would be quite glad if he stopped, as well as Roman and Athena, um, their daughter, uh, sorry, their uh, daughter and son. Sorry, yeah, that's the right way around. Sorry, son and daughter. Anyway, fucking hell. If you didn't know, that's what's been going on. Dave has been... Um, yeah, well, not exactly playing away, but, you know, digitally cheating, um, I'm going to say that. And um, I think it just proves that no matter how pious or religious people may be, um, a lot of them just go around and do whatever they like anyway, um, and then seek forgiveness. Better to seek forgiveness rather than permission. Right, guys and gals? Hey, um, I mean... 
there's a it's it, clearly this isn't a grooming thing and somebody has taken this article i mean which is quite salacious anyway but they've used it to try and create as much damage to Dave Lefson as possible. I mean, to be honest, the person who's created the most damage to Dave Lefson here is Dave Lefson being involved in anything like this to start with. Um, I do, it doesn't look like his position in the band is going to be um, under threat whatsoever. Um, uh, I, I mean... Uh, basically the the Megadeth statement because there is a Megadeth statement is we are aware of recent statements regarding Davis Lefson and are watching developments closely as it relates to creativity and business we are familiar with one another however these are clearly there are clearly aspects of Dave's private life that he has kept to himself as this situation unfolds it's important that all voices are heard clearly and respectfully we look forward to the truth coming to light so there you know it stops short of set of, of defending um, Dave and cer- and certainly leaves the door open for for his exit. Um, but it, I would say the jaws are dar. The, the door is ajar, not the jaws are dar. That makes no sense. The door is ajar uh, as regards his exit. I think really, depending on what happens over the next few days, um, we'll see. But I certainly think the message from that young lady has um, certainly has a big effect in this. But then again. Am I, like most people, um, really, get, you know, I'm focusing on the wrong thing here, focusing on the band Megadeth, because that's my, you know, that's my skin in the game, like the band, you know, known these people or known their music for years. But what you tend to forget is, yeah, actually, sod the band. There's human relationships in tatters here. As a wife of 27 years finding, about that, finding out about this, and it's bad enough finding out about this without the entire world and everyone you know finding out about it as well. So the, hum- the humiliation is... It, it, well, <laughs> Dave is clearly humiliated in this. Um, but, you know, the person, I, the person I really feel for is Julia Lefson, um, because this is, well, actually, for Julie, Roman and Athena. Um, I have a slight bit of sympathy um, with, with Dave because clearly there was nothing illegal going on here. But by the same token, it was badly judged, naive, at best, really. Um, and um, I, I, you can't blame the person. I don't blame the young girl on the end of the phone. I don't bl- blame the person she shared it with. Um, I mean, you know, this is the world we live in, and that is that. But yeah, poor old Julie, and maybe less attention on how this might affect Megadeth, and more attention on how it might affect, you know, the Alefson family is really what we should all be, you know, looking at. So I guess, look, if you are a Lutheran pastor. And you have been for a decade and you preach the words of the Lord. When something like this comes up, people are going to revel in your hypocrisy. That is without doubt. And normally that would be me. But <laughs> to be honest, I, I'm, I'm feeling the need to just kind of rise above this a little um, and and really kind of, yeah, feel for the family on this one. So um, so sorry if you thought I was going to pile into Dave and make loads of jokes at his expense and um, and slag off his religious beliefs and everything. Do you know what? I think um, I think he's got enough on his plate without me joining in. Not that like anyone cares whether I join in or not. But um, but there you go. Oh, for fuck's sake, those bloody parakeets.
Honestly. It's, it's, it's as if they don't know that I'm doing a podcast. Honestly, you green squawking bastards. Give it a rest. Anyway, moving on and carrying on with what's happened in the world of metal, um, and this is this has made me this has made me sad. Actress Tawny uh, Kitane, ex-wife of David Coverdale, dies at fifty-nine. Um, I mean, she was the woman on the bonnet of the car in the iconic for let's let's be honest, all the wrong reasons, um, all the eighties reasons. Um, for here I go again, that classic. White Snake tune, hey? Here I go, getting on my own, going down the road I've ever known. It's nothing like that, but you know what I mean. Um, and for certain, for people of a certain age, um, yeah, I mean, she was the untouchably, amazingly gorgeous wife of David Coverdale and was coveted by many of us as TJ teenage boys. Um, I look that show my age, but that's just you know that's the way it is. She was a, she was a, a proper fucking rock pinup girl, and um, uh, you know back in the day when women were entirely uh, judged on their appearances and their spouse. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just really sad. It is really sad because in my mind she is still like you know in her twenties writhing around on the bonnet of that car um and then you know you see you just see pictures of her um just before her death and here she's died and it's just it's all really sad one thing i didn't know is that the original uh, girl who was supposed to be riding around on the uh, bonnet of that car was claudia schiffer well there you go and um well i think her career worked out all right in the end as well but um there you go um tony could say no longer with us that's that is a shame um, moving on from that, right, Scott Rokenfield, yes, he, uh, drummer of Queensryche, right, this is weird, he hasn't performed with them for more than four years, right, and he, he's, he's put his, on his Facebook, ready, let's to, let's ready a fucking rock, I am, and there's posted Queensryche. 2021.com and if you go to queensryke2021.com as i have it says welcome to the new world join the legion and you put your e- and you're supposed to put your email address in there which i didn't do um and that's it all you can do is enter your email address so the drummer of queensryke who hasn't played in them for four years has set up a website called queensryke 2021 but there is already a queensryke out there with toddler tour on vocals so what what the fuck is going on it's just utterly bizarre i mean like you know it just must be so weird being in queens right and suddenly waking up one morning and your drummer who you haven't heard from for four years has launched a website called queens right 2021 what the fuck am i supposed to do about that thinks person in band I, i genuinely don't know um so next up, KK Downing. Yes, that's right. I haven't mentioned him for a while. His debut album is coming out. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's going to be um, it's going to be called Sermons of the Sinner. Mm, as a as yeah, clearly reference to himself. KK's priests consi- consists of former Judas Priest members. KK Downing. That's a surprise. Tim Ripper Owens. And Les Binks, along with guitarist AJ Mills and bassist Tony Newton. Um, 
Apparently, it's all going to pay homage to him um, and his years in priest. Here's one for you, though. Here's one for you. I really didn't realise this. Downing left priest in 2011 amid claims of banned conflict. That's right, folks. It's a decade. It's 10 years since Downing left priest. I am absolutely amazed by that absolutely amazed oh doesn't time fly and lots of fucking bollocks that old people like me say um but yeah i mean i'm just amazed in 2019 downing said he had reached out to judas priest about taking part in the band's upcoming 50th anniversary tour but their response was that they were not interested including him in the celebrations in 2018 i mean i've got to be honest you know you left in 2011 you did nothing but moan and then you reach out Eight years after that and go, oh, uh, 50th anniversary, do you want me to come along? Oh, it's a no, is it? It's not a massive surprise, is it, really? It really isn't. But um, I, that's the thing I'm taking away from all of this. I mean, it's taken him 10 years to, to do anything musically. That's that's obviously um, kind of interesting. But also the fact that um, it's 10 years since he left Judas Priest, honestly. And people still refer to, like, you know, Richie Faulkner as the the new guy. Mind you, some people still call um, Rob Trujillo in Metallica the new bassist. I mean... Yeah, okay, whatever, time keeps moving, and along with time, so does the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Iron Maiden and Foo Fighters barely make top five in 2021 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction fan vote. Well, I'm sure they'll all be gutted, but ultimately, um, over to Bruce on this one. Um, uh, Bruce's quote, what was it? Bruce's quote was... um, here we go. He made the headlines in 2018 when he referred to the Rock Hall as an utter, a complete load of bollocks during a spoken word gig in Australia. Well, obviously, that, you know, that's right in my wheelhouse. If we're talking bollocks, we're talking the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're talking Bruce Dickinson, who I have indeed talked bollocks with on a couple of times, as you will know if you're a regular listener to the Bollo cast. Um, and I, yeah, it's just like, does anyone really care? I mean, the bands don't seem bothered. Um, so uh, yeah, there seems to be a real weirdness as regards the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like some people seem, you know, oh, these bands must be in the Rock Hall of Fame, whereas others are like, well, who gives a shit? It's just, it's just basically been set up for people to to make money from this thing called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It doesn't really, you know, it it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't achieve anything. No one's career is improved by it. It's just it's a, black, a back slapping session, and um, you know record companies they like things like that. That's about it. That's really it. It's it's a record company dream. Oh, we can we can say our band's been inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame. Maybe we can you know shift a few records off the back of it. Well, you know who cares? Clearly not Bruce Dickinson. Anyway. Um, We've also got, and this is fascinating, right? Dino Canazares and this ongoing Fear Factory album that's been recorded for God knows how long. And the bit I want to pick up on, right, is this. Here we go. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously, Burton Seabell's lost it, uh, you know, lost it, left, left it, and all the rest of it. Um, but Bell's exit from Fear Factory came more than two weeks after uh, Dino Canazares. Uh, Kazaris, I'm not never been kind of sure how to pronounce his name, launched a GoFundMe campaign to assist him with production costs associated with the release of Fear Factory's long-awaited new LP. 
Now, the weird thing is that here is his description, right, of... Yeah, in explaining starting the fundraising campaign, Gazaris said all the donations would would go towards covering newly incurred production costs involved with the making of the new album, including, get this, re-recording the drums, guitars, bass and keyboards, um, as well as production by Renault and Canazaris and mixing, um, mixing and mastering by Sneep. Right, so costs involved there are basically re-recording the whole album paying Reno, paying Andy Sneap, and by the looks of it, Kazar is paying himself as well. Now, have you actually got an album if you include, right, if you include in your uh, newly incurred production costs, re-recording the drums, guitars, bass and keyboards? I mean, you haven't got an album, you've basically got a vocal track, that's it. You've got, you've got fucking... Burton's vocals and that's it and then all you do is slag off Burton in every single article and interview that you get well it's quite clear that he's the only thing that was actually worth keeping from the original recording of your new bloody album I call it new it was recorded in 2017 although it's going to be re-recorded with your money if you choose to donate in over the next few months years whenever and it'll eventually come out with 2017 vocals on it by Burton and newly recorded loads of rubbish by Dino what the fuck why would you do that why would you do that I mean, all I, the only thing I can think of is the producer or possibly mixing and mastering uh, me old mate Sneepy has basically said, look, you need to re-record all this. It's not good enough. And there's definitely no way, that, <laughs> there's no way Burton's re-recording anything. So I've just, got this, I've just got this image of Dino basically traipsing into the studio and re-recording all his guitars and going, fuck it, give me a bass. Get, re-record the bass. Fuck it, let's get some, just get a drum machine on there. Save yourself some money. Stop, you know, stop hitting up people who are in, you know, who are in the middle of a pandemic, and you want them to hand over money so you can re-record the album that you recorded in 2017. No, no, not happening. Dino, get a fucking hat. Yeah, find a pavement, sit on it, put the hat in front of you, get your guitar out, hey, strum some tunes, do a bit of busking, and do it that way. Honestly, a GoFundMe campaign to get, could you please fund me fucking up the recording of the album? That's what that is. I'm going to have to redo everything apart from the vocals. So can everybody pay to do that? Because I fucked up here. No, what it's called is, and again, I'm going to, I know I'm going off about this. Yeah, all right. All donations would go towards covering newly incurred production costs involved with the making of the new album including re-recording the drums guitars bass and keyboards how right how can re-recording all of the instruments be 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 covered by the phrase newly incurred production costs no they are the production costs but this makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Everybody's got to dip in their pocket so Dino can put a new album out. Because nobody else is bloody in the band. No one else is interested. What the fucking hell is that all about? It's absolutely ridiculous. 
Oh dear, go to a record label. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Can we have the budget for the album, please? Yeah, no worries. And then you just spunk that, and you set up a GoFundMe campaign saying, uh, "Yeah, we need um, we we need some money for some newly incurred incurred expenses." Oh, what are the uh, newly incurred expenses? Well, actually, recording the album because we've spunked the whole fucking budget on fucking hookers and blow. Honestly, it's fucking fucking believable. It really is. Anyway, anyway. I'm going to get off the, uh, the, the Fear Factory tip. Here we go. Um, I am giving you a brand new band, hopefully, this time around. This episode is all about the new EP from Blurred Reality. Um, they are a band who, that was brought to my attention by um, uh, one of their parents, who happens to be an Acid Rain fan, and they messaged me directly and said, hey, you know, check this out. Now, I do get a fair amount of this kind of stuff, and to be honest, it's it's usually either not very good or just, you know, not really my thing. Um, but when, you know, but I'll always check out anything that I'm, you know, anything that I'm asked to. And in this case, I was asked to, so I checked it out and straight off the bat, really, really liked the um, the first single. And I was like, right, OK, so I got in touch. Um, would you mind coming on the show? And they were all like, yeah, man, no worries. So, um, yeah, I've got uh, bassist and lead vocalist Krugeth. He's coming up um, with an interview. But first, I am going to put a track of the new EP. This is the opening track. This is the first track I heard from them. And um, after this, we'll be going straight into the interview. So this is... From the new EP by Blurred Reality, the song is called The End of Attrition. And before we go any further, just to let you know, the EP is called Molting, um, and it is due out on the 28th of this month. There is a link that you can use, um, which means you can save it on your Spotify list and everything else. But all relative, all the relevant links I will put in the description of this podcast so you can get stuck in. And here's the first track.
Kruger, welcome to Talking Bollocks. It's nice to have you on. Um, Thank you for having me. Uh, great EP, loving it, really enjoying it. And, and an unusual choice of lead single. How did that come about? Oh, the single itself. Um, well, we always knew that that was going to be the first one that was going to come out. It had to be. It's the first song in the actual EP itself as well, because uh, I joined the band in June 2019. And initially what had happened was we just we were getting things together. And uh, I, I had requested that I wanted to learn two of the songs that the band had already done previously just to get into the style, get into the swing of things. Yeah, and then the single "The End of Attrition" was the first one we wrote together as a three-piece. So it's it's got it's got pretty much everything that we aim to be and that we want to be. So it, it was always we always whenever we were gigging, we would always end with it, and whenever we were going to release, we always knew that was going to be like the flagship. Right. Okay. So so right from the right from the get go, that was the that was the the clear motive was that's that's going to lead the way. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty cool that you sort of, you know, you you um, you wanted to learn some some old stuff, as it were. So had the band been going long before you joined them? Uh, this started maybe about about two years ish before I joined, and uh, they went through a lot of lineup changes. And from what I understand, the other members would probably be able to recount this better. From what I understand, it was just Rory, our guitar player, and Cameron, the drummer, left, who were the only two original members as well. Um, so they were sort of thinking, we'll we'll just give it one last shot, see if it works, and then if it doesn't, we'll just get out of here. And they put up a post on social media that I happened to see uh, just looking for a bass player. And at the time, I didn't really play bass, but I played guitar, so I thought I could play bass. And it ended up being a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> but they had a lot of the same influences I did. So I am there in the same area as me as well. So I was like, I'd be kind of stupid to pass this up. And it just ended up being really a great thing straight out, off the bat. That, that, that's interesting because you're, you're taking on, so you're taking on a new instrument and singing at the same time. How did that go down? Uh oof. Well, I was already I was already singing. Initially, it was just on bass, and Rory was the singer. But um, over time, we discussed because I had been singing sort of acoustic stuff beforehand, and it was the we had the well, I thought I would just try it, and uh, it just it ended up working, and everyone enjoyed it and felt good about it. So we just continued to do that. Although it is a pain in the arse to say the least. Um, <laughs> I thought playing guitar and singing was hard, and but bass is just a whole different ballgame. But it's good; it's good to have that sort of challenge as well because it keeps it interesting. Yeah, and and have you have you found your have you found you're having to um, you like musically approach stuff differently from being from because be, obviously the role of a bass and the role of a guitar are completely different. Um, sometimes I mean a lot of times if. If there's parts where maybe I'm not singing, I would maybe try and do some slightly more interesting things on the bass, just from that perspective. But only really if the song needs it. I'm I'm never looking to go overboard, yeah. especially because that's more guitar department. 
and drums as well. Bass is kind of just there to glue everything together. So I, I like to do sort of more interesting things sometimes, but I don't like to take the piss really. Yeah, and with and being a three piece, that would be noticeable like straight away. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's it's a big thing live. We try to sound as big as we can live, but we know in the studio we can put more rhythm guitars and stuff on, but we always like to make sure that we can get the sound that we want by putting as many layers as we want in the studio, but when it comes to live, it has to still be able to work. So there's trying to find a dynamic that works both ways, Yeah, that we can have something that sounds like there's maybe four or five members on the recorded version, but it's not going to... Uh, it's not going to sound too empty whenever it comes to playing it live. Yeah, yeah, and and that, but that's you know, look, that's that's if you're a four piece or a three piece, that is something that will. I mean, I mean, what sprung to mind is that that's a conversation I had with um, Andreas Kisser of Sepultura last year when I was chatting to him, and you know, that same question came up about you know recreating it live without an extra guitarist. It's you know, it's it's always going to be there. But you, you like obviously you're just aware of it and you try and work around it. Yeah, at the minute we're uh, without going into too much detail because the others might kill me. But um, <laughs> we're writing writing new stuff to hopefully go go and record again. Um, but there's been a few times where things have come up and we've been like, well, let's do this whenever we come to record it, and then one of us has gone, oh fuck, are we gonna do that live? And then <laughs> the rest of us are just going, well. We don't have to worry about that yet, so fuck it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's kind of like yeah. Well, let, let's do it and then figure out how we're going to do it live later. Cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, yeah, and also, I, you know, when especially when you're putting an album together, I think there's there's always one or two songs where even as they're coming together, or you know, you know, or as you get towards the end of it, in the back of your mind. You you know that you're probably never going to play this live. Yeah, yeah. There's actually there's one of those songs in the EP that it, it, it's a bit of a softer track, and as much as we all love it and would like to play it live, we don't think we're ever going to get the chance to. Maybe down the line, but it doesn't look like it's going to transpire. But you never know. Yeah, yeah. You want you want you want people down the front going crazy as opposed to sitting in a circle. And um, uh, and swaying side to side. Yeah, absolutely. Although that's that's never a bad thing, you know. Flashlights in the air, lighters, whatever. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I I I know what you mean. Well, look, just just doing a gig right now would be a be a fucking start, wouldn't it? That would be fantastic. I would be happy to play two songs at a Christian function and go home. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 um, that, that yeah that sums it up nicely. I think um, I think I'm pretty much in agreement with that. Um, yeah. So had you um, had you been in um, had you been in a three piece before? No, this my this is my first band actually. Yeah. Oh really? I, uh, yeah, I started playing guitar just over five years ago, and always my thing was I want to start a band. I always wanted to start a band, um, but there was just there was never the people. There was a guy that I played drums with for a while, um, but he was always too busy to be doing like a band or anything, which I understood. And then I, but I just still wanted to be doing something. Yeah. So I, I'm a big Trivium fan. So I see all these things that Matt Heafy's doing. He's doing all the streaming. He does all these acoustic versions of some sometimes heavier songs. And I was like, I could just do that. So I started just doing acoustic versions of songs that I liked and then 
writing my own songs that were acoustic, but they had sort of like the, the heavy metal kind of twang, or if you want to call it that, to it. Yeah. Um, a couple of years, a few years ago, I started busking just in my local town just to make a bit of money. And it helped me sort of develop my voice a lot more and develop, you know, just uh, people skills and performance skills in general. Yeah. And then eventually, whenever it came to the point of joining the band, it was like my voice had been developed to a point where I felt comfortable singing in front of people when I never even thought I was going to be able to sing at all. And I wasn't afraid as well because I'm standing there in front of people that I've never met before playing songs, you have to just, just kind of, you have to learn to kind of zone out and not care that there's going to be people who think you're shit. And <laughs> so whenever it comes to playing gigs, finally with the band, it means I'm able to put all that energy and experience in and actually, because it's really useful in metal in particular because it's very high energy music, to be able to put all that experience into putting on a show, essentially, is, you know, yeah, the point, really. Yeah, no, absolutely, and um, and and you know, look, vocally, I'm jealous. You've got a you've got a great tone. Um, oh, thank you very much. And 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 I think a unique sounding voice um, for that kind of music. In fact, you remind me of a of um of a previous three piece that that I have loved in years gone by called Reuben. Um, oh. have you ever heard any? Uh, no, no. Oh, right. Oh, well, funnily enough, uh, have you ever heard any Days of the New? No, haven't. No. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you after this interview. I'm going to send you a link to Ruben, and I'm going to send you a link to Days of the New because Days of the New is heavy acoustic stuff. Okay. Um, and, awesome. and 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 and, and it, there is the whole album. You know, uh, is is acoustic. They supported Metallica in the early 2000s because Lars Ulrich absolutely loved them. Um, and it's, 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 it's like unplugged Alice in Chains. It's fucking great. Okay, um, yeah, awesome. And I'm going to send you some Reuben um, because there's bits of blurred reality that remind me of Reuben. Um, and, um, but anyway, look, you know, that aside... <laughs> Um, it sounds like the, this has been a really sort of just organic process. You know, you kind of, like you said, you'd always had in your mind of forming a band and then all of a sudden joining one comes along. And, yeah, uh, and yeah it's, it's um, I, I hate to say it, but it's, it sounds like fate, doesn't it? It's, it really is the way, the way you Don't guys... Don't even then... get me started. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Because uh, particularly, well, there was... Our, our guitarist, Rory, we, uh, obviously, I didn't know these guys at all before joining the band, so it took a bit of time, even though everything, you know, from a songwriting perspective and a musical perspective was all very quick, it still took us a while to all get comfortable with each other and, you know, form a, a really good bond. And, uh, again, like Fate as well, uh, I was... I was in a course doing music and then moved on in the same college to do a higher course. And it just so happened that Rory, our guitarist, was also doing the same course. Right. So we started the course and uh, obviously there was a few times where we were like, let's go out for a drink or whatever. And we kept talking about all these times that basically everything just leading up and talking about it as fate. And now every time near enough that we get drunk, we always talk about here. Do you remember all these things led up to this one thing happening? If one of them things didn't happen, we wouldn't be here. And it's kind of true. Um, 
I don't really believe in fate or anything, but it is kind of strange and almost supernatural in a way, in, yeah. a, in a funny sort of way that, you know, it all transpired like that. I, yeah, that it, it it is it is funny. It is weird, um, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? This is what happens. You know, this is this is this is how it works. This is how you end. Yeah. You know, this is how you end up in a position whereby, um, you know, you're 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 in a band with somebody. It's it's very you know it's very rare that you know everything comes together, um, and you know. There's always like little bits and pieces here and there, and um, I know from you know forming well forming and reforming a new band with, under the old logo. Um, it, it's it's amazing how these things happen, and you find people, um, yeah. and you just gel. And honestly, the three of you, the three of you, just yeah, obviously musically you really work, but uh, but also it's the the blending of styles is really interesting, which is something. I mean, I've played your stuff to a few people I know and and respect their opinions and the one thing that's come up from several people um who've only who've only heard the lead single um but they all said really interesting mix of styles and and like the way it was done is that i'm i'm you know i'm being a musician myself i'm thinking that that is basically that's just that's just how it happened as opposed to, oh yeah, let's do this or let's do that. It's just ended up like that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's just, it's never, we're never thinking, oh, we should do this, this and this. It's always, someone will come with a bit of a song and then we'll all come out of it at the end with a song. But obviously we all have, we all have interconnecting influences. Like there's bands that we all like, the, you like Seagird Metallica, Vent Sevenfold, um, all sorts of bands but then we obviously have our own bands that we all listen to individually but maybe the other ones in the band wouldn't be as into so I'm into sort of my like prog rock uh, I like Pink Floyd uh, a band called Lepers from uh, Norway and things like that and Silosis a thrash band uh, Architects as well Ruri would be into so, sort of some other rap stuff and the Foo Fighters and things like that, and then Cameron is really into the Beatles and Tool and Queen. So it, I, f- I feel like it all for all of us. We we like all sorts of different things, but we also our main thing is we love metal. So it all kind of seeps in, you know, whether whether we like it or not, and for better or for worse. And I think I think a lot of times whenever our outside of metal influences come through we don't notice until someone else points it out and then we're like oh shit okay you know so it is purely accidental but we're very glad that it happens that way because it gives us that sense of uniqueness because I think you'll probably know yourself being a musician that well I find anyway that my constant fear is that everything I write sounds the same or that everything I write sounds like something that's been done before. So whenever someone tells us, they're like, essentially that they value it and they really like it. It means a lot to us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and also I think that my, my biggest fear is, you know, picking up on what you said there, my biggest fear is repeating yourself. Yeah. You know, because that means that you're, you, you've got, you've got stuck in, you know, you've got stuck down an alleyway somewhere. Yeah, exactly. I like, uh, sometimes I'll just be sitting messing around on a guitar or whatever, 
and I'll write a riff and I'll get too bogged down with the sense that it sounds too similar to something they've written before. So then I'll try to change it. And then by the time I've changed it, it's just turned into something that I don't feel very good about. So it's a, it's a fine line to cross where it's like, I don't want to sound too similar to what I've done before, but I also don't want to fuck this up so much that I can't use it at all. So it's it can be difficult to say the least. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And, um, but that's, but that's the challenge as well, though, isn't it? You know, you, you, if you are constantly trying to, um, you know, keep an eye out for stuff like that, that's, that's part of the journey. That is part of the, the, um, discipline that you need to basically keep trying to better yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's all there. I feel like uh, on some level, if you're not afraid of those things, then you're more likely to sort of let them happen without realizing it, and then it can be kind of detrimental. So it's just, it's just I think that all artists throughout, whether it be, you know, drawings, paintings, music, whatever, photography even, you know, those are the sorts of things that artists in general will always look out for. Um, it's how they're able to adapt and grow and change and learn new things. So, yeah, yeah, it is, and and ultimately that's what's going to keep you. That's what's going to keep you alive, you know, and interested as you know, a, a, as a musician. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, being being a three piece as well, it, that is, you you create a hell of a noise for um uh, for for a three piece. Which are our best? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I saw a bit of live footage, and I was I was really surprised to see how how metal your um your influences are because you know you you crack you, you broke out um for whom the bell tolls as a oh as, yeah absolutely as a, yeah and I mean that's hilarious. We used to play for whom the bell tolls as well back in the day. Um, and it's it's, it's it, I don't know it's kind of like a rite of passage. Do you know what I mean? It's an it's a it's a it's a classic, and it's kind of not too hard to play and gets everybody going. <laughs> it's easy enough to play, and if you're playing, especially in you know the proper like a metal venue where you've got a proper metal audience, even if you have an audience that they know metal but they're not they're not too deep into it. For some reason, it's everybody knows for whom the bell tolls on some level. Maybe they've seen Zombieland and they remember it from the start, but they can't quite remember where they've heard it before. Everyone knows it. And Metallica in general is one of those bands where, like, if you're a metal band, you have to cover one of their songs at some point. It's like, you know, Black Sabbath as well. You know, I mean? I There's so many bands I could think of that they've covered Black Sabbath at some point. Yeah. But it's just like, as you said, it's like a rite of passage, really. Yeah, it is, and um, you're. Um, but but again, I, it's kind of like I, you're definitely not a sort of traditional sounding metal band, um, and it's kind of weird as well because I mean the lead single, for instance, you know, you you, you start out, you, you know, you start out with speed metal, and yeah. and you end, but you end up kind of quite a far away away from it. Um, but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem forced or jarring. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you hear this kind of stuff and you think, "Oh, what are these lot doing?" Yeah, I agree. And that, that back to that whole thing of like, 
you know, fear when it comes to it. It's like we like we were writing that song and at the very start of it it's just it's this really clean intro. And at the time whenever we were writing it, it didn't start it just started straight into that dun, 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 like like the gallopy riff. And it was like that up until like the last course where in the final song it goes back into that again. That was just it. It was just that. But then I came back one day and I was like, this needs something else. This needs like an intro. And I, I played that thing on the basic. The, like, it's sort of like a loungy vibe everyone's told us. And I kind of get what they mean. But I, I, I brought that in and everyone, it was based on the chords that play in the verse. So I was trying to, I was trying to connect it to the rest of the song so it didn't just feel as if it was taped on because if it had it just been its own chord progression or whatever it would have might might not have felt as natural or proper but I can't remember what I was talking about <laughs> <laughs> um, you, we started well you you went back there you took us back there it was about fear yes fear it was yeah so I've put you on the spot there, haven't I? It's like, yeah, that's not really helping, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> See, I do this all the time. I have this thing where I'll be talking to people just in the day-to-day life, and I'll go off on the tangent, and then I'll stop for a couple of seconds and be like, I haven't a fucking clue where I started. Oh, man. How I got here. <laughs> dude, dude, that that has been... You've just summed up my entire life. I, I know exactly what you mean. Um... <laughs> And far be it from me, far be it from me to um, to make a uh, cod diagnosis from all of that. I eventually got diagnosed with ADHD. So if you're if you're a bit jumpy and hyperactive, it might be something you want to look into. Right, <laughs> dude. You know what? I've, I've thought about it, but as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, uh, it never crossed my mind to even look into it until someone said something to me a few years ago, and I was like. Oh, I wonder. I wonder yeah. if I. And then, and then I did a bit of research online, and I'm like, oh my god, this uh, this answers a lot of questions I've always had. <laughs> See, sometimes I, sometimes I'll get curious. I'll just be sitting in the house on a Friday night, bored, and I'll go, I'll go and have a look at like ADHD symptoms or whatever, and then I'll be <laughs> looking at the checklist. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, wee bit. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe I do, and then I'll do one of those tests, and I'll get halfway through the test and get bored and go. This is what something like ADHD would do. They get bored halfway through. Yes, yeah, exactly. When I got my diagnosis, I went in with 40 pages of notes that you have to print off and you have to, and you have to tick boxes. And and I was was tempted to arrive with all 40 sheets blank and just go, I've got ADHD and here's the proof. There's no way I could fucking do that. You have to do it in instalments, ten pages at a time, maybe even five. Oh, mate, that, that's exactly what I had to do. That's exactly what I had to do. I just had to do them because I just lose interest so quickly. Yeah, and and that is that's that's classic. But that that's also um, ADD. That's uh, you know attention deficit disorder, and then you've got ADHD, which is just throwing hyperactive in there as well, which which makes the ADD work because all you're already finding things difficult to be interested in and then you've got hyperactivity as well going oh yeah but we could go over there now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, you know, I, that's my thing if i'm at uh 
a party or whatever, I can't stay in the same room for too long. Say if it's like a big house party. Yeah. I always have to be moving around. Yes. Because there's always, you know, you you probably know yourself, at house parties, there's always different environments going on. So I'll spend 10, 15 minutes in the living room talking to people and then I'll be looking around and go, right, well, let's go to the kitchen, see what the crack is there. Yeah. Go into the kitchen and then I'll see what people are doing upstairs and then there'll be people all over the place and then I'll make my way around the house maybe five or six times the whole night and I'll be me content. <laughs> yeah, that's, do you know what? This is exactly the same as me at a gig. Um, you ask any of the band and it's like, they'll, you know, oh, Where's H? Don't know. When did you last see him? Oh, he was there. It's like I, I, that's that's me. I'm the last thing I'm going to do is like sit in the dressing room. Um, I'm just going to yeah. be. I'm just going to be. Dot, you know, just dotting about all over the place. Yeah. Sometimes you'll be in the crowd talking to someone. Go to the bar, talk to someone. Yeah. Go to the smoking area. Maybe talk to about three or four people, and then make your way around again. <laughs> yeah. It's it's it, it it that is that is exactly what I do, and um. Uh, I, I've always thought it's because on like you know by the time you get to a venue and all the rest of it, it's it, 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 the adrenaline's not pumping yet. But oh, yeah, it, it is kind. I am kind of like on, as it were. Um, yeah. You know, I'm in I'm in gig mode. Um, but now you, but funnily enough, you talking about it about house party, and I'm thinking, yeah, do you know what that that's that is exactly. Um, what I used to do when I used to go to a lot of house parties, which, to be honest, is a while ago. But that's a, yeah, I, I absolutely get it. Yeah, that is that is the old just wondering because you just constantly need a top up of engagement, and it's like yeah. after you've been in a room for ten or fifteen minutes, and it's like as part of your brain just goes, okay, well you've spoken to everybody in here, now to go and speak to everybody in another room. It's like you're on this weird quest, this competition with yourself. A quest, yeah, a competition with yourself that really there's no prize. Yeah. It's just it resets every time you make a round of the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 ultimately it's the law of diminishing returns and it's and it's there there's no satisfaction in the end. There's no there's, at no point do you go, "Right, I have completed I've completed the party. I've completed the guests. Do you know, I I can leave now. It's not that. It's not that kind of thing. It is. It is just. I think, like I said, you know, um, it's constantly trying to remain engaged at a high level, um, yeah. and uh, and and you're in the ideal role in the band, mate. You really are because you are absolutely front and center of uh, you know of every song. Um, from a from a bass playing point of view, I. I'm interested because you were playing guitar up to that point. Have you started? Have you started sort of dipping into bass players at all and and listening, or or are you just approaching things from your own point of view? Uh, well, I, I always like to whenever I'm listening to music is like I always like to pick apart what everybody's doing in the band. So, like, funny enough, before I started playing guitar, the reason I wanted to pick up an instrument at all was from watching drummers. I was like. I was watching drummers and the way they would hit things and up, up until I started like paying attention to music, I never realized they used their feet and I thought that was the best thing in the world. But I never wanted to play drums, but there was something about watching people play drums that made me go, I want to do something with this world of stuff. And so I'm always picking apart when I'm listening to stuff, you know, drum parts. And then the next time I listen to it, I'll be listening to the bass and the tone and stuff like that. Um, in terms of actual like bass players, uh, 
I've tried. I, I, I never really got into any for some reason because yeah. they're they're there to be the foundation of the band, but usually they're not front and center in the same way that a front man would be. Yeah. Um, there's I, I can't really think of that many bands where the front man would be a bass like Slayer. Was he's one of them? Yeah. Um, uh, well, Rush. Rush, yes. Yeah. Um, there is there's there is a few, but I can generally couldn't really think of it. I mean, I don't really listen to any. Yeah. But in terms of bass players that I try to lean into, obviously I play with a pick because I'm a guitar player. Yeah. You know, um, so I never wanted to try and do all this crazy mad shit with my fingers. I thought it would just take too long. I was like, I'll just stay in my comfort zone as far as this goes. I'm already picking up an instrument. I'm not trying to, you know, turn myself into some kind of machine. Um, but big uh, influences in terms of like a picked bass playing have got to be Dave Ellison from Megadeth and Newstead uh, from his time in Metallica. Yeah. Big fan, big fan indeed. Well, probably bass playing in general, like John Mayung from Dream Theater, is just a fucking powerhouse. Like, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that's that's interesting because you've got you've obviously got a, a very a wide influences of of metal in, in your in your influences. Is that where you know because all three of you obviously are into metal to varying degrees. Yeah. Um, so, it, it you know who's who's bringing the other influences, or is it just things that that happen as you're jamming? Just happens, you know what I mean. Um, like a lot of our, well, in the early days, it would have been a lot of our writing was done in the room, but it it's just generally what will happen is someone brings a riff or like a half finished song, and then teach well if it's Rory for example he will teach me how to play the song that he's playing and then I'll just add in wee bits in terms of the bass playing that maybe I think would fit and if I'm singing over that part something if I can add something that feels appropriate then I will but and then with the drums Cameron just does it all himself for the most part um oh, excuse me um the odd time we'll give him ideas or whatever or he'll give us two different beats for one section and we'll all do a vote on which beat we like better. But for the most part, he's just doing it all himself. And then a lot of the times from the bass playing again, it'll be me paying attention to what he's doing on the drums and then trying to mimic that in some sort. And in the same way, glue the guitars and the drums together in that way. Um, but we, as I said before, we never, we're never like we have to do this or we have to draw inspiration from this band. A lot of times, actually, if one of us turns around and goes, um, has an idea for something, maybe not everybody's on board. Then, like, maybe say, well, this band done this, and then, but sometimes we have to turn around and go, well, we're not that band, we're this band. Yeah. So trying to do things in a unique way, but obviously still taking inspiration. Yeah, yeah, and I think also, you know, it's it's that point, you know, where someone says, yeah, but we're not that band. It's that point where you kind of draw a line of of what you're trying to incorporate into your music and that's that's what creates your sound that's create that's what creates you know who you are yeah you know that's another thing as well and you know back again back to fear and I'll try not to forget what I'm talking about this time but <laughs> um <laughs> but it's that thing of like there's always there's always something in the back of everybody's head where nobody wants to be a copycat and i another thing that i 
not sure about the other guys, but I'm sure we all fit this to varying degrees, is that none of us want to be known as a rip-off band. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know... Originality is important to you. Very important, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's probably what drew me to... Um, you know, you're, well, I was going to say that's what drew me to the band in the first place, but it wasn't. It was a message from, um, I'm guessing, one of your parents. Um, yes, that would have been, I think, uh, Rory's dad, Colin, shout out to Colin. Right, okay, yeah, shout out without a doubt, because obviously, you know, he introduced me to um, uh, to you guys, and it was it was really nice. He just sent a message over and just said, like, you know, check this out. Um, mm. uh, and obviously I did. And what, and and like I said, what, caught my ear was was the mixing of styles and uh, which straight away struck me as you know original it's a very it's a very odd a very oddly uh arranged song um it's it's kind kind of backwards because it's like you know you 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 actually expend expect two and a half or three minutes of of instrumentation maybe playing play out with that and the bulk yeah, and the bulk of the and the bulk yeah. of the song at the start, whereas you've you've you know you fucked with that a bit, and um, uh, and yeah, I was like, right, oh, this is interesting, uh, and it, yeah, originality is what for me what always appeals. Um, the last thing I want to be thinking is, oh, that sounds like so and so, or I've heard this before. I just shut down really quickly then. Yeah, um, we we try to avoid that as much as possible because. Not only do we know that other people aren't going to be turned on to that, but for us personally, like we, whenever we make a song, and especially with like the music that we're releasing at the minute, we we want to be able to listen to it, and we, unless we feel comfortable with listening to it ourselves, then there really would be no point in putting it out, and. So we have to make something that we like hearing and at the same, you know, on the same level. If it sounds like something we've heard before, then it could be that sense of like, well, what's the point in, what's the point in doing it? What's the point in listening to it? So there, yeah, there always has to be that kind of originality. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't necessarily feel pointless, but maybe it just doesn't feel like we've done all that we can. Yeah, yeah, and and it, like so, like I was saying earlier, it's who you are. It creates your your sound, and I've, that's always been my kind of um, feeling about music as well. But ultimately, um, there is you know everyone has different reasons for doing what they're doing, and um, I just think it's originality is what keeps everything moving. You know, that's what keeps that's what keeps genres from from um, sterilizing. Um, you know, it, I mean, that's kind of what happened with thrash metal back in the day, where it, it, it kind of just, it kind of just ground to a halt through a uh, a sheer lack of innovation, if anything else. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it has to be, it has to be engaging and interesting for us, and also for the listener. But at the end of the day, we kind of we try to put ourselves first. Because yeah. whenever we're not making music, that's what we are. We're the listener just for other bands. Yes. So it's just primarily at the end of the day, whenever it comes to a song, it's like, would we listen to this? And if the answer is yes, then put it out. And then if somebody else wants to listen to it and somebody else enjoys it, then fucking happy days. 
Yeah, and, but you, but you're absolutely right. It, that is that that is the only reason to you know to, to put it out there. Um, you know, rather than you know, I'm so tired of the old. We just make music for ourselves, and if anyone else likes it, that's a bonus. And it's like, no, that's bollocks. Yeah, you know, nobody wants to put an album out that everyone goes, meh, not really. Oh, well, yeah. you're just making music for yourselves, so you're not bothered, presumably. You know what I mean? Um, everybody wants to. Um, everybody wants to. You know, have their music listened to and to get good feedback. That's part of the. That's part of the ego of the musician of the. You know the. Uh, human being you of course you're gonna everybody prefers his you know praise to criticism um and and you know and that's what you want you want people to listen to your music but it is it is a a case of putting yourself first but also i think and i learned this i learned this through god knows how many years of doing comedy as well which is you just have to stick to your guns if you think something is really good and you've got something then you just have to stick to it and go for it you can't you can't be second guessing yourself and there's no point, you know, asking people and going, well, what do you think? And what do you think? You just, you've just got to go with your, go with your feelings and trust your, you know, and trust your own um, feelings that something is as, uh, is as good as you think it is. Yeah. And sometimes we don't, sometimes we're like, ah, well, maybe we kind of missed the mark with that. But you know what, leading up to the release, we kept listening to the recordings and going, oh shit! Uh, if I if I was if I was doing it again, I'd go back and change that. But see, now that the singles come out, our our manager and friend, uh, we just call him Foy or Big Foo, um, he pointed out that like it sounds so much more satisfying to listen to now that it's out because we know we can't change it now. Yeah. And so we're not listening to it in the perspective of, oh, should have done that or should have done this or maybe should have took that out or added this. We're just looking at it now as if, okay, that's the way it is. And, uh, you know, being yeah. happy with it, really. Well, believe you and me, mate, it's never finished. It's it's just abandoned. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. you just get to a point where you go, right, okay, that's it. Because you have to. Yeah. Um and and yeah I, I you know I, re- I recognize all those feelings and uh, and ultimately once it's out you know I I when we were before we put our album out end of 2019 I was saying to everybody in the last month before it came out I said look just enjoy this next month with the album yeah because in a month's time it's no longer yours. Yeah it just it, it's the own it's the property of everybody who listens to it and you know you're this is the last chance you're going to be able to listen to it without anybody else's opinion being triggered when you hear a certain point of a song and you think oh you know read that in an interview or read that in a review or whatever um it's yours until you release it and then it's everybody else's uh, yeah that's that's a great way of putting it because that's just that's just the way of it it's it's owned then by the universe once it's put out because it's that thing of like you, you can listen to it however, however many times you want. You've got the inside information. You know how it was written. You know you know where it came from, yeah, emotionally uh, and musically and whatever. But once it's out there, it's the perspective can probably change on it to. Oh yeah, to, yeah. Because then, because once you start hearing the opinions come in, you start pairing it up with things that maybe you already thought about before, and you're going, oh yeah, well you think of it that way and that kind of is similar to what we were trying to do or maybe that's similar to something we were trying to avoid and then 
obviously the most important thing for us about criticism is taking it and learning from it for next time because obviously we're still they'll make no mistake we're still fucking early days as a band and so we're as much as we really love all the compliments and everything we we're hoping we just hope just as much that people you know are honest as well as supportive because obviously anything that is you know, a lot of people can't take criticism well but any sort of criticism is always going to be something we can draw from and learn from and you know try and implement that in the future without taking away from our own personal vision right let me just stop you there because um i i, yeah. I think I, I think that there's criticism and there's you know constructive criticism and all the rest of it but ultimately you know you're gonna you're gonna hear from people about you know what what they think songs are about about you know about the lyrics musically and you'll be thinking right okay well they've seen some they've seen some influences there that you know we don't have or none of us yeah. like said band but uh, you know it's cool that they think that and and like i said when especially with lyrics people will apply their own narrative to your lyrics so it doesn't really matter what you've written it about people will apply their own narrative anyway you yeah know? absolutely and and that's and that's the beauty of it yeah i mean see lyrics is the thing we take the least uh we put the least effort into not in a bad way in the sense of like we just throw them on at the end but it's more in a sense of we're more dedicated to the music and the melodies and stuff like that but from a lyrical perspective it is generally the thing that's done last but we do still put a good bit of effort in it and mostly it is our own experiences now we we do it I'm, I'm not sure really uh, well I know there's a lot of bands would maybe do it this way but in terms of local bands it generally would be there's only like one or two maybe lyricists in the band but for us all three of us contribute wow um, right okay L- lyrics <laughs> lyrics by committee this is interesting yeah, exactly. So on the EP, there's there's six songs and the two the singles, both of them. Um, I wrote the lyrics for those. So the current one and the the next one um, that may or may not be coming out, and I may have just may have just said something I'm not supposed to say there. But fuck <laughs> it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then uh, the other four songs are again two of them are by Rory and the other two are by Cameron lyrically. So we split it up, and it's a lot of it is just, you know, well, whenever I write a song personally or write the bulk of a song, generally it's it'll be me that wants to write for it. And whenever we're whenever we have the structure down, we'll we're we're not too too bogged down by lyrics, but we'll always have a brief conversation of like, right, who wants to do this one? If someone's going through some shit then they'll be like, okay, I would maybe want to take this one just because obviously that's, as an artist, you know, lyrics are just poetry and poetry for a lot of people is just getting your expression out and, you know, if you're going through some shit, just putting it down on paper can sometimes make it that bit easier to deal with. So it's it's just, it's a mixed bag. Everyone contributes and then if somebody wants to, do it for a specific song maybe they've got a vision of the you know the phrasing or the melodies they'll work away and do that um like but for me even though it's the thing we put the least effort into and because it is always up for interpretation anyway i still got this again fucking fear well that's the that's the theme of the podcast is fear um, 
uh, of like, I'm afraid of it starting like fucking gibberish because recently we have a, a few new songs that we're working on. One of them I tried to write lyrics for. And, but I came, I was just trying to put words, you know, just out of nowhere. And then I came back to it a couple of weeks later and I was like, I can't, I can't even make up what I think that means. So I just scrapped the whole fucking thing and then came back again with sort of similar themes and then tried to rewrite it again. And I'm happy with the way the lyrics are sitting now. And But it's just that thing of like, even though I know that someone is going to interpret their own way and that's completely fine, that's what you want anyway, I still, I can't, I can't personally be happy with a set of lyrics if they just don't mean anything. Oh yeah, without a doubt. If they don't mean anything, then maybe somebody might not be able to draw any meaning from it, even if it's a different meaning that it's supposed to be. Well, yeah, and also I think you've just, um, uh, you've conquered your fear as well, because when you went down the route of just, look, I just need to get some words down for now, and then you went back to it and went, yeah, this is a load of bollocks, I need to start again. Well, there you go, you know, you've, you've... you, you've identified that you know that that worry and that fear, and um, by the sounds of it, it's not going to be a problem because you've you know you identified it and went yeah this is you know this isn't happening, and I need to yeah. scrap them and start again, which is exactly what you did. Yeah. Um, I mean it, it's 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 a fascinating way of of working, the fact that three of you share the lyrics, but I think that that is that is also going to lead to. Um, again, that kind of is, is from my perspective, I, I think that's really original because I, I don't know many bands where, you know, lyrically it's, it's shared around and that's that. Yeah. That's fantastic because it, again, that can only contribute to the unique nature of the band. Yeah. Because even, even now, like looking at the song, me uh, for pretty much all of the songs, I, well, all the ones that I didn't write, I, the only thing that I know them to be about is my own, again, interpretation of them. Because maybe, even though we're all close friends, sometimes just people just generally don't want to reveal what the songs are about. And that's kind of, that's, that's fine because it's just their way of getting that out. But it's nice that even, again, from the perspective of a listener, that we can listen to the songs the other person wrote and have our own view and what they mean and take our own meaning from that. And again, yeah. I can, it's, it's a good, it's a good dynamic. I think the way the three of us work. I was just thinking that I was thinking that must be, that must be really cool. And also, I mean, from an in, you know, from an interview perspective as well, I think it's kind of cool where somebody might say, Oh, you know, what's this song about? And you say, well, you need to speak to the drummer or you need to speak to the guitarist, you know, about yeah. that. Which again, like, you know, I I I think is really cool, and I mean, I tend not to uh, break it down for people anyway, because I think, well, I it, yeah, I can tell you what the song was about from my point of view when I wrote it. Yeah. But then somebody reading this interview or listening to the interview is going to go, "Oh, is that what it's about? I'm wrong," or yeah. or or it's going to take it's going to take away from the interpretation they already have. So I I prefer just to leave it kind of unexplained, really. Yeah, I think. Uh, you know, generally wouldn't get many people asking what the lyrics are about, but any time they would, I would, you know, I would always like my answer to be, well, you tell me 
You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And and I and I think that um, I, don't go. Don't worry. That that day is coming where people are going to be asking you about the lyrics because yeah. the, the minute the EP comes out, you just watch. Um, but but also it's 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 a really lazy question that 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 make that rears its ugly head in interviews when you um, when you've got an album out and you're doing a load of interviews and people say, oh, so you know, tell us what the lyrics to this song are about or tell us what the lyrics are about in the album. I just think it's a really fucking lazy question. Yeah, you know, because and... you're not you know you're not saying you know all oh, right you know what 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 are these chord progressions like and blah and it's mm. it's yeah it's just it is lazy because ultimately everyone decides what they're about. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I can... I, I'll be happy to tell... I'm not going to, you know, go on a whole big spiel if somebody asks me. I'm not going to be like, right, but this line here... You know, you <laughs> think those... What you call it, like, it's genius videos and they'll have artists come on and they'll explain their entire song line by line. Yeah. Like, fair enough, I get that people are interested in that, but for me, it's like, I'll give you a general overview of what the song's about, but at the end of the day... The song is about what you perceive it to be about. Like, for example, the, the single, it's about feelings of isolation and feeling trapped in your own head and stuff like that. And from uh, it progresses from the start to the end. The start of the song is being trapped. And then by the end of it, the, the narrator, if you want to call it that, has broken free and is out and has realized that the, the keys to breaking out, or they had the tools to break out within their own head the whole time. But at the same time, if somebody wants to listen to those lyrics and take something completely different out of it, then that's what it means. Just people showing an interest in your band, whether it's you know musically, lyrically, whatever, it's um it's it's got to be it's got to be a buzz for you. And and having the you know having the video out there and the EP to come, this is an exciting time. It is, yeah. It's it's honestly great. We've uh, the song came out at the time of recording. It came out second April, which was just Friday, which almost a week ago. And we're already at just over a thousand streams, which for a band, you know, first release is pretty good. And uh, obviously, there's been a few, there's been some interest with people, you know, sharing the song about. And obviously, this podcast is another thing that's been really great cool. uh, to come on and you know just talk about it. And it's we're we're all very excited for where things are going in the future, and we've got a lot of. A lot of things planned and in the pipeline. We're constantly. It's all about work ethic for us. We're always trying to stay stay busy in some yeah. way. Yeah. So how was how how's the pandemic um, for you then? Surprisingly productive. Um, at the very start, well, we were we were meant to go into the studio where we recorded that this time last year, uh, and then. Boris and well obviously over here it'd be Arlene Foster turned around and said nah you can stay in the fucking house son <laughs> um, yeah. so that got pushed to July and then we eventually got our mixes back but we didn't want to just bung them out straight away We, you know, because we wanted to put a bit more force behind the production aspect or not that the promotion aspect of things because that's just as important as your release because otherwise the release means nothing if it hasn't been promoted nobody's listening to it absolutely uh, so we, we 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 put a lot of effort into we started selling some March uh, over the summer we got we done some t-shirts they done really well we recently released some hoodies uh, just there on Monday uh, they've been doing quite well uh, just trying to do stuff all the time and then once we were finally allowed to play together again we started getting new songs together the only real downside 
I think, apart from not being able to play gigs, but in terms of the things that we're able to do, the only real downside is that we're not writing songs together really anymore. It'll be somebody will come to the band with pretty much, you know, a full song, fully structured and whatever, which isn't the worst thing, but it means that there's less room for, you know, someone to just bring the one riff and then we come out of practice that day with a near full song. Uh, and obviously that will come back eventually and we're still... We're still really enjoying the songs that we're playing and writing at the minute, but it just it, it has kind of lost that flavour in a sense because of the pandemic. But we're hoping with you know vaccines and stuff rolling out that we'll be able to get to more regular stuff like that soon. And uh, you know whenever we get back to gigging, hopefully very soon, uh, we'll have a bit more variety of songs to play as well, rather than just it won't just be the EP. There'll be some new stuff and maybe some different covers or whatever. So. We're always planning ahead for the future, but at the same time trying to work hard now, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and what you might find as well is that the songs that you've written whilst you're apart, you might find that once you get back in the room together and you start playing them, you'd be like, hang on. Like, you know, when we get to this part, it just feels like we should be doing this. We should be going somewhere like this as opposed oh, yeah. to where it's going now. Do you know what I mean? When yeah, there's always room for suggestions and stuff, and that's what does keep it interesting as well, even when someone's came in with a full song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's demos, isn't it? And ultimately, you go yeah. you go from demos to pre-production, which is like, you know, you demo the song and you go, right, what have we learned by putting what what we've written down recorded? Well, now we've heard yeah. it like this. Do we, you know, that needs to change, that needs to change. And you start, you know, you start breaking the song down again, you know slash pre-production before it becomes sort of set in stone and ends up being recorded yeah it's all well and good playing it you know everyone's learning everyone's learning the song together and then playing it as a, a three-piece but once you've got once you start getting the demos down and they, you then are listening to it back without the perspective of you've got the instrument in your hands you're listening to it put down and you go you know you can always add things or take things or change things so uh, we're starting well really shouldn't uh, fuck it I ain't gonna get in trouble maybe I don't know I don't know if I will get in trouble but fuck it um, starting some pre-production soon for a batch of things that's great yeah that's great man and look you know putting it out there like you said at this you know at this stage for people to know that there's you know a new EP dropping any minute and we should probably do the housekeeping now as well so when does the, the EP drop BP Molting comes out Friday the 28th of May on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, anywhere that you find music in the year of 2021. Cool, cool. And um, uh, you've got the video um, at the moment um, up for the end of attrition. Yes. Cool. Um, and where can people find, you know, where can people find um, you guys to follow you? Uh, we're mostly active, uh, well, Facebook and Instagram, and we're trying to get some uh, more video, digital content up on, you know, YouTube. We're working on that at the minute. So yeah. uh, we're on YouTube and Facebook just as Blurred Reality, so give us a like, subscription, whatever. Uh, and then you can also find us on Instagram as well, where we would uh, put a lot of other stuff up. Um, Blurred Reality Official on Instagram. Yeah, and um, it, yeah, I, I, funnily enough, I followed your um, your Twitter account today, 
Um, oh yes, we're on Twitter. I forgot about that. Cameron looks after that. I because I don't have Twitter myself. You see, so I always forget. <laughs> right. Okay. Well. Well. He's. Um, yeah. You know. He's. He's doing a good job there. But um, obviously, anyone listening to this, go and um, go and follow guys on Twitter. Um, well, look, Krugeth, it's been it's been great, and I'll have you on again um, when we've got some stuff coming out in the future as well. Um, awesome. And I'm just gonna have a quick word quick word with you as well. But uh, um, so don't go anywhere. But thank you very much for coming on and doing the interview. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. And there you go. That was um, a, a, an interview that I really enjoyed, as you can tell. Um, and also, um, I, I, uh, Krugeth did get into uh, Days of the New, or at least I got some messages off him saying, oh, yeah, I like this. Um, I'm not so sure about Ruben. I'm, I'm sure I will find out in due course. Um, and now the EP is out on the 28th. It's called Molting. There is a link in, the de- in this description, wherever you're listening to this. There is a link in the description, but you also heard all the socials there. Um, if you want to go and get the new Blurred Reality EP, Molting, on the 28th, you've heard the lead single. And I can assure you that it is definitely worth picking up. So there's a new band on the scene, not even got their first EP out yet. And um, I just thought it was really worth you know, giving them um, a, a leg up. And the weird thing is that this is going to also um, kind of um, be in juxtaposition with the next episode coming up at the end of the month because this is probably one of the most unknown bands I've ever covered and probably the biggest interview that I've ever done will be coming up at the end of this month. And those of you who don't need... Well, those of you who have been listening and know what I've been up to, you know who is coming up at the end of the month. And for those of you that don't know, oh, well, feel free to uh, let me know what your guesses are. Um, join join, join me on social media, at Talking Bollocks, or on Instagram, at Talking Bollocks, or even on Facebook. Facebook, Talking Bollocks, is really, really quiet. Um, but whereas uh, Twitter and Instagram seem to be um, pretty busy. So I'm not quite sure why that is. Let us know if you've got any opinion. Is it, you know, lack of posting by me? Should I set up a Talking Bollocks group on the Facebook? So basically all bollockers can have a pile in and a pile on, um, discuss any issues that come up um, on the podcast or generally, I don't know, you know, slag me off, ask me questions, whatever. Let me know if you would like a group of your own, the Talking Bollocks group where all bollockers can gather on Facebook and have a right old chinwag. And I will certainly be happy to to join in as well. And it gives somewhere for patrons to meet up as well. Um, And I can't believe it. I have not mentioned it. What a perfect opportunity. So, Howard Smith... Sorry. God, what am I like? Patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith or look in the description of this podcast... And there'll be the phrase, support this podcast. It will be highlighted. Click on it and it'll take you straight to Patreon. You get this podcast before everybody else. You get your own podcast, which is um, questions that you specifically wanted asking of interviewees. They will be just for you, your very own podcast. You get a live podcast on Zoom once a month where we all just hang out, have beers and have a chat. Um, You get uh, a radio, you get a monthly radio show, which is two hours long. 
you get classic album breakdowns where I take a classic album and break it down exactly what it sounds like. Anyway, all of that for just $6 a month. You are kidding. Or sign up for $5 a month and you don't get the classic album breakdowns or the Zoom. But you can go and sign up Talking Bollocks, um, the well, the, the full bollocks is the package you're after, but um, and also all behind behind the scenes stuff with acid rain, etc. You get early merch heads up and early tours heads up and all sorts and video previews, whatever. Anyway, I've gone on about it long enough. You can join if you wish. I wish you would. But one thing you can all do, one thing you can all do is share the podcast. Please do. I say it so much. You are the army. You are my best chance. Yeah, you. You, listening to this. Yes, you. Yeah, don't look around at other people. You. Yes, that's right. I'm looking at you. Yes. Please share the podcast with your one fucking friend, if you if, if that's all you've got. Yeah? Share it with your mum and dad. Share it with your kids. Share it with people you don't like. Share it in groups that have got nothing to do with podcasts or music. Fuck it, seriously. Just just post the Talking Bollocks, um, uh, well, it's the Podbean website, you know? You know the one I mean, which is basically where you can find every single um, podcast that I've ever done is at talkingbollock.podbean.com. Talkingbollock.com dot podbean.com um and i'll i mean you know that is that's in the podcast description anyway you just click on website and it'll take you there and just drop that link everywhere please just for a laugh just for a laugh and send me some screenshots or send me some uh, some directions so i can go along and and like your comment just chuck it everywhere instagram twitter for, just for no reason yeah i mean you know insert yourself into twitter rows and 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 just just throw in throw in the podcast website without and check this out that's it and just fucking walk away uh, that honestly seriously that would that would put a massive smile on my face it would be great to see some of the um to see some of the uh uh the mischief that you can get into by putting the um uh, putting a link to the podcast anywhere you like uh go on i dare you anyway look thank you very much you're still listening i should let you go really i'm sure you've got stuff to do that's way more important than listen to me so you go and do that I'll go and do whatever I'm going to do and I'll see you back here in two weeks for a huge podcast. Until then, post that bloody website or share Talking Bollocks absolutely anywhere and everywhere. Cheers. Well done. You carried on listening. And here's the bonus, the other single from the EP. This one is called Lost at Sea.